Recapping the Hollywood week that was getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. On this, the 69th year and 9th day anniversary of Sunset Boulevard. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Also Mike here. I don't think my co-host understands what an anniversary is. <laughs> Every day is an anniversary <laughs> if you try hard enough. Plus the 9th day. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, that's fine. We love that movie. We love covering it back in the day when we did our 1950 Best Actress retrospective. Yeah, the infamous Lost episode in the MMO uh, uh, annals. Did we release that? We no, didn't. I don't think we ever released it. I think it's still uh, sitting on my laptop. Oh my god, yeah, that was a while ago. I'm promoting an episode we never released. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at with this MMOW. Yeah, so this is MMOW. This is going to be all the Hollywood news about uh, you know stuff we don't cover in our Oscar race checkpoint that came out for you this past weekend. Any kind of Oscar-related or award season-related news you need, and boy, was there a lot of it. Controversies and trailers galore. We covered that in our Oscar race checkpoint. That came out uh, yesterday. I guess, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this on Monday, uh, came out Sunday. This is going to cover the rest of the Hollywood universe, and mm-hmm. we call these normal movies. Uh, but we'll, we'll <laughs> No, we don't. I know. Uh, that's, I think that's a, that's a South Park reference? Normies? Uh, Simpson? Yeah. No, Family Guy reference. Thank Family you. Uh, let's talk about what we're watching lately, Michael. Yeah, this is what we're watching. <laughs> Mike, I've been watching a lot of TV series. Yes, you have. <laughs> Mindhunter Take 5. Yeah. Mindhunter Season 2, Glow Season 3, Succession Season 2. I'm five episodes deep in Mindhunter on a night in the morning. I watched five episodes very quickly. Okay. I'm out of my minds. I'm also seeing things in the woods. You watched season one, right? I watched season one twice. Okay. It's an engrossing show. Fincher directed four episodes in season one. He's directed two episodes in season two. And it's so Finchery too. Yeah. Like his first episode of this season. So I really loved it. It's Love just him. addictive. It really is an addictive show. I can't wait to get away from you because I get to watch the rest of it. So what? <laughs> what is the premise of this show? I'm sure I would love it but is are they helping is it like silence of the lambs it's basically like silence of the lambs every episode so they go to a different serial killer to help them find a different killer to a degree okay and they're definitely incorporating a lot of silence of the lambsy plots uh uh, this season and they did a little bit last year but we have essentially just true crime goods delivered like crazy and coming out of once upon a time in hollywood it was fun to have 20 minutes on manson and tex and that was awesome too tarantino 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 big fans huge fans of his yeah we are mike we love love tarantino (laughs) all right glow season three first three episodes of this were not great that's sad to hear because i loved the first two i mean i'm a huge wrestling fan obviously but i just thought just the characters were pretty relatable and they were the whole theme was nice and it was this little joyous show i haven't started season three mainly because i read your review of it here and you just weren't high on it i like all the mark Marin, allison Bree stuff but they're kind of in a holding pattern in vegas and it's and it's frustrating and i don't know it's just it's not working right now the i thought season one was great i thought season two accomplished some emmy worthy goods in many ways but i'm a little disappointed right now i'll get back to it probably got to binge through mind hunter first shows you where my head's at <laughs> not I'm, enough killing and glow for me that's true <laughs> succession season two uh, i've only watched the first episode but i watched it like two and a half times i love this it is so really? good it is so good 
oh my god so shocking developments things that i know are going to be reversed very soon that i kind of like things that i'm very afraid of get into the show if you haven't re- already it's a great binge. so where does succession rank in the pantheon of hbo uh miniseries like with big little lies season and... one is up there like i'd say west wing is probably my favorite just hardcore drama okay. you know machiavellian drama right. like if you call it that you know this is another one of those okay is it king lear i don't know if it's king lear i don't i've seen ran recently that's probably the most recent king lear anything i've seen so i don't uh remember the king lear storyline so what about an impromptu c by skip of succession big little lies and sharp objects Succession, Big Little Eyes, Sharp Objects. I'm buying Succession. Okay. <sighs> Big Little Eyes was good. I don't need to see that again. I'd be curious to watch Sharp Objects again. Okay. And that, all that being said, I love the performances in both, but I, I really love them, Big Little Eyes. It's an impossible yeah. thing. What can you skip out of those three? But, I guess I would skip Big Little Eyes. And yet you have Succession clearly as the one that you're going to buy, you say. Clearly out of all three of them. Okay, Love interesting. Mike, we both watched Hard Knocks, the Oakland Raiders. What a mess that whole team is. <laughs> it's a mess, and it was not much better of an episode. Of no, I was. I thought this would be appointment viewing. I thought they didn't concentrate on it on the Antonio Brown situation nearly enough for my liking. I want the showdown between Antonio Brown and the NFL. Yeah, him saying that I'm not playing unless I can wear my helmet <laughs> my in the last 10 helmet. years. Yeah. But we deal with this with the kids all the time. Sure. You, you have to get these helmets certified you know, every few years. Mm-hmm. And if it is older than 10 years, you throw that helmet out. Period. Yeah. End of story. So that that is regulation throughout all levels of football, certainly for us. Look, I mean, I, this episode was a little more, you know, hard knocks typical, mm-hmm. I would say. You have Gruden, you know, coaching up the QBs, yelling at them. You got draft pick stories, combine practices, scrimmage games. So that fits, and There's it fits the brand. There's something about watching a guy on cable television or network television for years, like Gruden was on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. be restrained, and then when the gloves are off and he's allowed to cuss and be a regular human being, there's just something fascinating to me about that. It is. And every other word out of Gruden's mouth is the F word. <laughs> You know, and I, just, I can't get enough of it. Well, the quarterback's got to throw the ball when you're supposed to throw the ball, Mike. <laughs> Look, I didn't get my football fix, though, because after I watched that Oakland Raiders episode, I, I went to Amazon's All or Nothing, and I watched the first two episodes of season with the Carolina Panthers. Oh, so I didn't even know that was the team they're doing this year. That, okay, That was last year. Oh, it was last year. Okay. it was way better than these Hard Knocks episodes. Ooh. Yeah, it's in season, but it's... It's just way better. Really? Everything was better, and I was surprised by that. Because I wanted to do a one-to-one comparison. Okay, interesting. Let me get into a couple movies. We both watched a couple new movies yep. this last week. I watched Teen Spirit. This is the Ellie Fanning kind of doing an American Idol Great Britain. And this is 2019, right? This is a recent release. 2019. This was terrific. This was the Pleasant Surprise Award of the month for oh, me. Good. Really enjoyed the performances. You know, the plot isn't great. I wouldn't say this is going to be a best screenplay winner. It's Mm -hmm. tolerable. You get a kind of fun, you know, buddy story or mentor story here with just some random guy who looks like a creep, but he's actually a good guy. As VOD rentals go, this is a fun 90 minutes, mostly because of the performances. Ellie Fanning's really singing, and it's incredible how talented she is. Fanning sisters are growing up... uh quite rapidly one of them here singing on american idol and the other one being squeaky from <laughs> squeaky from <laughs> mia and the white lion mike this production lasted three years with the steve Irwin of lion tamers in charge of all the lion scenes 
He wanted the kids to develop real relationships with these lions, and this is the most batshit watch I've ever had. So this I, is about actual Steve Irwin's family? No, nothing to do with Steve Irwin. I'm just saying oh, okay. he's a lion tamer. He's a, <laughs> the Steve Irwin of lion Okay, tamer. I'm sorry. I didn't pick that this, up. This is a crazy watch where I am screaming at the television, Mike, because these lions, these are like teenage lions. This is like Simba mid-log right. walking across the Hakuna Matata montage. <laughs> Mid Simba Log, he's supposed to be away from human children at this point, uh-huh. and he is like tackling these kids. Do you ever see the viral video of the guy that raised a little lion cub, and like years pass, a decade pass, and he goes back to revisit the lion, and the mm. lion recognizes him, and the lion charges up to him and just jumps on him, and it's to give him a hug. It's like endearing, but it's yeah. it's terrifying. <laughs> this was terrifying. You got this lion like just jumping on your kitchen yeah. dinner table, eating all the dinner, and then and then people are like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, <laughs> it is insane. I'm a lion. It is insane. This is not a dog. But look, Melanie Laurent from uh, Inglorious Bastards uh, plays Shoshana is in this. She's great and everything. I yeah, love her. And uh, this is an interesting story. I don't know if it's how true it is, but a really crazy watch. I gave it a like a B. Minus. And it looked like, it, I mean, there was no... Smoke and mirrors. This was an actual lion on a table and on set. Yeah. This is a lion who's a character in the movie. Crazy. It was terrifying. All right. The Highwaymen. Yeah. This is the uh, Catch Bonnie and Clyde movie with Woody Harrelson and uh, what's his name? Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. I couldn't be, I I have no desire to see this. It's probably full of lies, uh, according to last podcast on the left, but tell me you don't want to watch Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner <laughs> hunt some murderers? I, I you don't, don't want to? I don't. I really don't. Because this movie wasn't great, but it's still a fun watch. It really All was. Right. It was yeah, an immersing good. watch. It was a good movie, and it was. there's a lot of truth in there as well. I hinted at this next watch. You did. I'm curious about this. Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers. This is the documentary on Netflix. Mike, his body language looks like he's lying. Who is he? He, Why is he making a documentary he about aliens? Is a scientist who said he was working at Area 51 on the flying saucers. He saw he says he saw the actual cadavers of the aliens and he said he basically was trying to replicate the technology, study and break down the technology that they had which was uh, manipulating gravity. That's how flying saucers fly according to him. So they're basically trying to use the technology of these flying saucers in a secret government laboratory. He busts out and there's this big, elaborate, what I think could be Wait, live. so he's on the run from the government? Not really, because in the 1970s, he went very public with this, which he thinks and he claims kind of covered his ass. So he became too much of a personality for them to kill. To me, it seems more like an elaborate lie. I am not a true believer... I don't really believe this. I think if the government really wanted to keep that a secret, they would have just killed this guy or they would have captured him or they would have done something. Well, Michael, let me tell you, as a lifelong fan of Blink-182, uh, I now have a, a degree in alien technology and flying uh, orbiting UFOs because Tom DeLonge has gone off the deep end with this alien stuff. And that's all he talks about anymore oh because he's doing, he started a whole institute talking about uh, how he was going to be the one having all these government meetings and he was going to explain to the public that aliens exist, which is also a title of a Blink-182 song, ironically <laughs> enough. But I don't know how to feel about these people. 
Right. Because they're just so, there's so much conviction in them. Dan Aykroyd's interview on last podcast on the list, I, I lifted, listened to that as well. You're right. Like, there has to be something behind all of it, doesn't there? He makes such a compelling case. What do I think? I think that drones are just available everywhere today, right? In the 70s? Drones are available every, follow me. Okay. Drones are available everywhere today, right? Right. They must have been practicing drone technology if they're going to use it for in war. They must have been yeah, enhancing be. slowly but surely for the last 15 years. We know that the, the military contracts do that for everything else. They did it for the atomic bomb, for Christ. Could be. So every time you get one of these UFO sightings, is it a coincidence that it's near a military base? It's like right there. Right, I mean, I put two and two together. Every freaking big fair point. Every Bigfoot sighting is near like a grizzly bear <laughs> trek where the grizz, grizzly bears live. It's a fair point. I mean, it's a, it just makes more sense to me that that's common sense. I am always of the of the mindset of when it comes to like aliens and spirits or ghosts, right. all that. I, I give them the benefit of. The, I'm like, I believe in you because I don't want <laughs> you to have to prove to me that you're real if you hear me saying I don't believe in you. So I look forward to you being abducted. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fascinating to listen to Dan Aykroyd because he's like, some of them are hostile, some right. are abducting people, right. and some of them are genuinely nice aliens. And there's a, you know, there could be a war between aliens. He was citing all these people where they're like fighting over our planet on whether they should invade us or not. It was crazy, my deep dive here into like, you know, it was like a couple hours. But I watched this documentary, which was otherwise boring and poorly made. It really wasn't good. <laughs> okay. I mean, the, the filmmaking. It's a big twist. It's not good. That is a big twist. <laughs> All right. But it was interesting. And then I kind of listened to the last podcast on the left. I did some research. But, Mike, I, I just I can't get there. I can't All get right. there. I don't right. believe. But at the same time, I have an open enough mind to watch stuff like this. Make your case. So you just it. disagreed with the X-Files every time they had their tagline. You're like, the truth's not out there. I love science fiction. <laughs> I think there could, there totally could be on the other side of the universe. Here's where I know, know. what I know for sure is that if aliens ever chose to invade Earth, yeah. I would turn on the human race so quickly, <laughs> you would make your head spin. I would be team alien like that. Look, <laughs> whenever you listen to science scientists talk about the Earth, it's like in the perfect position where a degree this way, a degree that way, and the sun burns us up or we freeze, right? <laughs> right, right. So think about the probability that, yeah, on the other side of the universe, you can have that same magical number hit by another planet where there could be intelligent life, and maybe it developed faster than us to come over here and, and uh, look around. I just, I, I don't think that's likely. If MMO is reaching any alien life forms, <laughs> you have a friend here, all right? I'm on, I'm on the inside already. I'm deep this. in with these humans. I could do this for you. I think it's possible. <laughs> just spare my family. I don't think it's likely. <laughs> Mike, I watched Girl Fight with Karen Kusama. God, didn't you come to click on this movie podcast to get all your alien takes, huh? <laughs> uh, Girl Fight with Karen Kusama. This, this came out a couple years ago, right? Movie long, it's been on my list. Yeah. Uh, the Invitation Destroyer, uh, starring Michelle Rodriguez. It's very strong, but it didn't make sense to me because every boxing trainer in this movie is like, women can't be boxers. And then I look up just on Wikipedia and they've had professional women's boxing since the 1970s yeah. in the United States of America. Yeah. So what do they doesn't mean about? misogynists don't exist. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but they're like, a woman boxer? What? Well, it was, I mean, that was the whole premise of Million Dollar Baby, which was an Oscar winner. This plot is very contrived. It's very contrived because you have her essentially having to fight this other character, and it makes no sense mm -hmm. why they're 
putting them together. So I was a bit disappointed because this was a long time critically acclaimed film that I, I just hadn't seen. You know, I like the dilemma of it all, but it, it doesn't work. All right. Unfortunately. Finally, I have a book recommendation, and this was a really good one. Best movie year ever. How 1999 blew up the big screen. Is this new? Yeah, it's new. Uh, April 16th, the hardcover came out. Right. I know The Ringer had been kind of doing the same thing I don't thing know if here. it was The Ringer or if it was some, but somebody was just talking about a book covering the movie year of 1999. They were railing and railing about it, so it was... All right, it's Bri- Brian Rafferty is the is the author, and he basically does making of stories about all these awesome movies that came out that year: Run, Lolo, Run, The Matrix, Memento, Office Space, The Sixth Sense, The Blair Witch Project, Eyes Wide Shut, American Beauty, yeah. Fight Club. That's just a couple of them. He does like thirty movies. And fantastic. You, yeah, year. I mean, if you like our production profiles, you'll really like this. Yeah, fantastic year movies. So, Mike, that's what I've been watching. I don't want to play <laughs> any more games with that. No more games. I'm outlawing them this week because I did too much. What have you been? Fair watching? enough. I got around to seeing books smart finally good uh I, we're going to talk about olivia wilde her next project later on in this it's everything you said it was it's really well directed nice. it's a fun story it's a fun romp i mean it's not anything unexpected i don't think i don't right. think it's like going to contend for anything i did love uh beanie feldstein puts on a fine performance but i was in love with the other girl caitlin dever I, I thought she was great all throughout this and she had to play the widest range of emotions too i sure. felt and it was a very complex character which i thought was a great job on olivia wilde's part getting that across and having these characters that are very multifaceted and have layers to them and that's all we ask for anytime we see any movie is to have well-rounded characters and these those are present here so i I loved it i I thought it was great who do you want to party with you as an 11 year old in the beanbag boys who would you more (laughs) rather party with or you as a friend of beanie feldstein and caitlin dever in this movie you gotta pick one right now. interesting god um (laughs) boy i mean i guess the 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 book smart girls but there's a lot. There's an allure to being a beanbag boy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes, there is. Right, but you say book smart girls. I probably would agree with you. Yeah. Better set of auxiliary characters. Like who did the better job, and just in terms of performances. Look, here. the best. I mean, Keith L. Williams. The way he played. Well, auxiliary Lucas. care, like Sam oh, Richardson right, and right, Will right. Forte, because you had a lot of funny side characters in Booksmart. I love well. the parents in Booksmart, and I love the way <laughs> the girls were like playing with them. But I did like uh, uh, Good Boys care auxiliary characters more. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think they were. They and in which movie did you like more? But, uh, I mean, tough. they're very similar, right? They're yeah. very similar tones, which is, again, only a credit. I mean, Seth Rogen's been doing this for years and years and years. This is Olivia Wilde's first feature film directorial effort. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a huge credit to her. I think I laughed Good Boys more. I maybe had more relatability than I did with a high school girl. Maybe that's the only but reason why. But you laughed a lot. But I certainly, la- yeah, certainly had comedic yeah. value in Booksmart. I kind of landed that the production values and everything, a little stronger in Booksmart, script a little stronger in Booksmart. The other one's more The script just probably a, is a little stronger. Yeah, You're right. it's just a hands-down comedy right. in Good Boys. But they're both really good. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed both watches there. I watched Batman Under the Red Hood, which is one I wanted to see. I was a little let down by it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I thought the Joker portrayal was good. It was the same voice actor who does the voice of Bender. That's why I was so intrigued in it in the first place. I'm a big Futurama fan. But I, they portray it as if it's not going to be a mystery, uh-huh. even though there's a my- mysterious figure. Like they, they pretend that they hint at it's going to be this character all along, and then it's that character. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, so what am I watching this for? I guess people who watch these movies, the animated Batman movies, don't want any surprises. <laughs> I guess not. The kids just want to know. Uh, a horror movie I was impressed with that I did watch this week, and I didn't think I would. The Strangers 2, or Strangers Pray at Night. I'm shocked that this is good. I mean, it's exactly what you... If you saw Strangers 1, mm-hmm. it's just that taken to the next level. It's not overly gory. There is some gore in it, but... 
Man, there is, at the end of Act 2, there is, like, a really, really well-done, artistically shot murder scene that looks absolutely beautiful, that has a very well-known song playing in the background of it. I don't want to spoil anything too much, but I, I was surprised with how impressed I was by this movie overall. I did not expect to be as attracted to it as I was. I gave it like a C plus B minus, mm-hmm. which isn't really, I mean, it's not going to blow you away, but it's certainly a higher grade than I thought. Considering last week I gave I Spit on Your Grave too, like a D plus, a D. This is a fine horror movie. It's going to kill 90 minutes for you. It was, I loved it. But the choice of song for the finale was your favorite part? The whole thing about that, yeah. I mean, it's it's not the it's like the end of Act Two. It's not the finale. I misspoke. Okay. But it's the end of Act Two. But it's the whole thing is just so well done and very artistic. And I give it high marks for that for pulling off something special. If you've mm. seen this movie, I want to know your thoughts about that. And I think you know it's pretty obvious which kill I'm talking about specifically. Uh, what happened in it? Or I guess kind of a kill. I don't want to speak anymore. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, watch The Infiltrator, which is a Brian Cranston movie that came out last year. Right. Yeah, me too. Wasn't crazy back. about it. Yeah. You know, I, I had high hopes. It could have done more. Pablo Escobar kind of story. Mm-hmm. John Leguizamo's a supporting character. I like John Leguizamo's performance. thought he did very well, but I, I was kind of let down by uh, by Cranston there. I think if you're going to pick a Cranston movie to see, I still say Wakefield delivers more goods than The Infiltrator did. I rewatched Halloween 6 because I am a glutton. What? <laughs> I love That's one of my favorite how movies. Did, how did I not get 20? text messages on this <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies it's so bad but it's so good <laughs> it's oh exactly I, I know we we redid when we did our halloween rewatch series last year we yeah. talked about the theatrical cut and that theatrical cut is an abomination it's terrible. but the producer's cut is not much better <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not great but it's so bad it's good that's like the saying about athletes, and you know, I'm sure coaches made about me as an athlete. He he's slow, but at least he's small. Yeah, like uh, Wayne Knight when Space Jam. He's like, I may not be fast, but I'm large. <laughs> it's like great, <laughs> good job. I love that movie. It has a place in my heart for always and forever. And I rewatched Avengers Endgame, which I think nice. is a best picture contender. I mean, that still holds up. I know we're kind of out of the uh, the hype of it, and we're out of the throes of everyone being excited for it, but it's still. Soup to Nuts, a phenomenal screenplay, a phenomenal movie, and I stand by the fact that that being so good and giving every character its moment in the way the Russos did and the way the writers of that script did, it has to be commended. It's very worthy of being uh, up there on, a, on Academy Awards night, for, quite frankly. If you need your Avengers Endgame coverage, we did six new podcasts yeah. this particular Avengers season uh, before getting into the rest of the Marvel slate, and we have a, an MCU playlist and then we also have an Avengers-specific playlist. I think one's 20-something and the other's 10 episodes long. Can I say the best thing I saw this week might have been Daniel Jones' touch passes? Yeah! I was really impressed I by him. I was really impressed, yeah. too. I'm, I'm almost worried that I'm impressed. Oh, with it's going to end in flames. I have no doubt whatsoever it ends poorly for yeah. all Giants fans. But for now... The, the ride is fun. It's promising. It's <laughs> promising. Mike, we got some audience interaction. Yeah, we'll talk about our six degrees of MMO that we went through this week. We had to connect Jacob Tremblay to James Earl Jones, that famous pairing. Jacob Tremblay, of course, from Good Boys that just came out this week. We're going to talk about in the box office update how that movie did at the, the theaters. Mm-hmm. James Earl Jones was having a bit of a renaissance, being both in The Lion King and coming back for Coming, in Amer- coming to America 2, I suppose. Uh, what was the Efficiency Award winner this week? A couple of them, yeah, Mike. I'm going to go 
through them real fast. Colby Mack at Colby told me said Jacob Tremblay to Keegan Michael Key in The Predator. Keegan Michael Key to James Earl Jones in The Lion King. Keegan Michael Key was Zazu there. We have Daniel Howitt at Howitt DK. Tremblay was in Room with Brie Larson, who was in Captain Marvel with Samuel Jackson, who was in Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith with James Earl Jones briefly. <laughs> Finally, we have Dark Nook. Oh, we got two more. No. Dark Nook at Dark Nook Shop. Mandatory MCU. Tremblay in Room with Brie Larson, who's in Captain Marvel with Samuel L. Jackson, who's in Coming to America with James Earl Jones. So I almost like that. the same. Two more. Joe at <laughs> Joe Messin, S S I N, and Nick Culleton, Nick Mickle, both said on two separate threads. I this like is that. how you know this is growing. Yeah. Tremblay's and Good Boys, produced by Seth Rogen, who's in The Lion King with James Earl Jones. Everybody went through MCU and Lion King to get <laughs> to James Earl Jones. And Mark Burgundy at The One Hanson said Jacob Tremblay was in an episode of The Twilight Zone as was James Earl Jones in 1994. I like that. I really like that. I appreciate going off the book there and getting to the Twilight Zone. Great job, all those Efficiency Award winners. We should have known connecting to something that big ensemble piece like The Lion King and having somebody that can go quite easily through Brie Larson to the MCU. It was going to be a lot of Efficiency Award winners this week, but you also came up with a new award that you wanted to hand out to somebody. This is the Get to the Chopper, (laughs) a.k.a. the Inefficiency Award. Uh, But I still love it because a podcast about something, and this is way too long. Uh This is like three pages long. It is the longest entry I've ever seen on our podcast. But they literally connected every single Predator movie to Jacob Tremblay and James Earl Jones. That's just, that's heart and dedication. (laughs) And that's very much worthy of its own award uh, being made up. So great job, APA. Something if you want to check that out, uh, certainly go to this week's MMO, Six Degrees of MMO Booster that we put out. It's on our Twitter page, at MM and Oscar. Go seek that out. They did their research for certain. The Left Peak Award going to Simon the Depressed Moviegoer at depressed movie Tremblay is in Smurfs 2 with Hank Azaria who played Gargamel that's the greatest name who was also the bad guy in Night at the Museum 2 which cameos Darth Vader and you know James Earl Jones has something to do with Darth Vader Gargamel immediate points from another one of those unwritten rules of ours yeah so the right peak of the Twin Peaks David Lynch Award (laughs) goes to at Jay Skipworth, who says Jacob Tremblay was in The Predator, which featured Sterling K. Brown, who was the first African-American male to win an Emmy for lead actor in a drama series for This Is Us, a category which twice nominated James Earl Jones. Is that like true? That. It took until Sterling K. Brown yeah, for... I know. It's one of those things where we always get upset, but yeah. then we're happy again. Oh, but... yeah, sure. Like, uh, good for you for finally doing it, but what the fuck took so long? That's, that's, that's a... inexcusable. Cool connection. That's really, that's awesome job there, and great job pointing that out, Jay Skipworth. Love that. Uh, Merc with a movie blog also gets a special recognition, and this is a long one. The Wild at Heart Award. <laughs> Wild Lynch, at, oh, yeah, right. I didn't see you write that. that. All right. Here. We have Jacob Tremblay. He attended the 2016 Oscars with Ennio Morricone. And Morricone, of course, composed the score to Ripley's Game from 2002. Ripley is the name of the character played by Sigourney. <laughs> Love that. Just taking a total jump, yes. getting off that chain altogether, starting a new one. Of course, Ripley, the name played by Sigourney Weaver in the Alien franchise. Sigourney Weaver lends her voice to Finding Dory, which stars Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres is married to Portia Duran. Portia de Rossi was in Scream 2 with Jerry O'Connell. Yes, she I was. I can confirm that. Jerry O'Connell starred in Sliders with John Reese davies John Reese davies wore a red Fez hat and <laughs> 
Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love them. A red fez hat was also worn by the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, in Doctor Who. Christopher Eccleston played the 9th Doctor in Doctor Who. And Eccleston also played Malekith in Thor The Dark World, which is in the MCU, along with Spider-Man Homecoming, in which Donald Glover had a role. Donald Glover is in the new Lion King with James Earl Jones. That's, yes, great. That's just spectacular. (laughs) Great job, Burke, with a movie blog. That is the effort we like to see. That is what Six Degrees of MMO is about. Like John Gruden says, man, all of us can lead the league in effort. (laughs) Just, just takes commitment. Mike, the scruffy-looking nerd herder award. This is going to Oliver Hetherington Page at A Twist of Oliver on Twitter. Love that name. It's a great name. Jacob Tremblay attended the 2016 Oscars, which was also attended by BB-8, the droid. It's fucking crazy that... I, this is exactly what this game is supposed to be. Yes. Talking about that a guy just showed up on a red carpet one day, and that opens up all these possibilities. And a droid was also... Of there. course, yeah. <laughs> BB-8 was in The Force Awakens with Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren is the son of Han Solo. Spoiler! Yeah, who was married to Princess Leia. Spoiler! Leia or Leia, who was the daughter of Darth Vader. Spoiler! Who was also voiced by James Earl Jones. Spoiler? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Great job there. I like that. And we'll go to the winner this week on a lot of levels for us in the MMO Empire here. Yes. Wojciech Vyshaw, Swamp Thing, uh, at... W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H-W-I-E-C-Z-O-R, Frequent Flyer Hall of Famer here. Jacob Tremblay was nominated in 2018 for the Saturn Award for Best Performance by a Young Actor, but lost it to Tom Holland. Holland (laughs) won the Rising Star Award during the BAFTA Awards in 2017, beating out Anya Taylor-Joy, nominated for The Vich. We got Saturn and BAFTAs in paragraph one. Yeah. We're we're in. (laughs) That's paragraph one, section one. We move on to paragraph two. Her role, Anya Taylor-Joyce, was recognized as Best Breakthrough Actor at the 2016 Gotham Awards. Her competitor was Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea, who was nominated for an Oscar in 2017 for Best Supporting Actor, but lost to Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. So that's Saturn's, BAFTA's, Gotham's, and now the Oscars. This is just very on brand for an Oscars podcast. (laughs) Last year, Ali won another statuette for Green Book, of course. He defeated Adam Driver, nominated for Black Klansman. In 2016, Driver won, I don't know why... The MTV Movie Awards keep popping up in this segment, but I appreciate it. But in 2016, Driver won the MTV Award for Best Villain for playing Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. So it's Saturn, BAFTAs, Gotham's, Oscars, (laughs) and now the MTV Movie Awards. Uh, Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens defeated James Spader, nominated for Avengers and Age of Ultron that year. Spader won the Emmy. So that's... I'm kidding. (laughs) In 2004, for Outstanding lead actor in a drama series for The Practice, which I loved. That same year, James Earl Jones was nominated for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series for Everwood. You had both... You had both long ones in this introduction where I was like, I'm not listing all the Predators for every 
<laughs> and you actually went through. So bravo, Mike. Uh, bravo, Wojcik. You are the man. Wojcik and Merck with the movie blog. Uh, Wojcik, you're the winner. We appreciate all the effort both of you guys specifically put in. We love, uh, and the one with all the predators, my God. APA something as well gets an honorable mention there. We love you guys taking us on these ridiculous chains. Just a reminder, six degrees of MMO doesn't have to be six degrees. We appreciate all of you that uh, did put in the effort this week. And Wojcik, you get to win. You get to ride on that boat down in the bayou with the, the way out of wire hangers. Light blue, Earl, who smells like fish. Uh, you got a lot of got a, that mosquito net hanging in front of you, though. You don't have to worry about that, but Earl's getting beat eaten up well earl wasn't getting eaten up because the mosquitoes don't like sardines or maybe they like them extra might so be time to start a new one so can we just say the giant alligator just eat the whole boat earl is done <laughs> the whole boat the, the throne the alligator was the size of the lake placid alligator right, exactly and it's gone In one single gulp and we'll have to start a new next week yeah so we basically are, we have a, cl- a play-doh right here at the desk <laughs> and we're modeling the play-doh for the next iron throne chair uh that is your win boy check you get all bragging rights all things six degrees of MMO related this week. We'll have to work on a new chair for you next week. Michael, what is next week's assignment? (laughs) So a movie I really want to see this week is Blinded by the Light, the Bruce Springsteen theme. Makes no sense. Musical kind of thing. Makes no sense. It's not a Bruce Springsteen song. Maybe he wrote it. I don't know, but... It's a terrible name for a Springsteen movie. I don't know either. <laughs> I'm just intrigued. Yeah. To say. So we're going from Bruce Springsteen, and we're going to the star of Crazy Rich Asians in the upcoming Last Christmas, a trailer we're about to review, Henry Golding. Yes. So Bruce Springsteen to Henry Golding. Have at it. That is your uh, challenge this week for Six Degrees of MMO. You can get all those entries into us, whether on our Facebook or Instagram, at Mike, Mike, and Oscar for either one of those. Also primarily on Twitter, at MM and Oscar. We move on to a quick box office update. Not a lot of ground-shaking news, but some news nonetheless. Yeah, Good Boys won it with $21 million. This is a pretty big deal because comedies haven't been up top for a long time, Mike. Yeah, $21 million is actually a pretty stellar number considering the high end of their opening weekend projection was like $15, $16 million. They outdo that by about 40%. That's got to make the studio feel really good. It also was on a $20 million budget, I'm pretty sure, if I remember yeah. right. So they're... On, well on their way to already making back money. And sadly, Booksmart only made 22 in its yeah. entire run. Yeah, it's so terrible. Why is this? We just talked about it. It's like it's hard to choose between those two movies, right. which is better, even though one's probably more of a you know Oscar awards worthy movie than the other. I guess you could take solace in the fact that Olivia Wilde is at least considered a hot property directorally. And mm-hmm. we're going to get to that in one of our uh, Do You Care segments. That's one of the news stories we talk about. Hobbs and Shaw still stayed in the top two. It went down to number two, but it brought in another $14 million domestically. It's inching its way to half a billion dollars worldwide. It's currently standing at $437 million worldwide for that box office on a $200 million budget. The Lion King stays in the top five, $11.9 million on the weekend, up to four ninety six worldwide. Angry Birds Movie 2, $10.5 do you, do you have any desire to see Angry Birds movie too? Does anybody? No, absolutely not. Why do you? Why Are make you that curious? movie? It got good reviews after the first one got terrible. We're reviews. at the point now where we'd rather make adapted pictures on off of cell phone video games than we would original properties. <laughs> That's probably concerning. Bitmoji's also getting a movie, may I remind you? I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to engage. <laughs> Mike, scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, reached 54 million worldwide in fifth place this week for the weekend. Uh, 10.05 million uh, domestically. Yeah, the only other things of note, Lion King, over a billion dollars. It's almost made a billion dollars 
just on its international box office draw, but it also is going to be the fifth movie, along with Toy Story 4, which passed the billion-dollar mark. Five movies now Disney has released this year that have passed the billion-dollar mark. Mm. Lion King, Aladdin, Captain Marvel, and Endgame as well. Disney's doing well. Disney's doing very well. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood reached 122 worldwide, 114 domestically. That's not as high as we'd like, but we're still waiting for the... uh, you know the returns from the international box office and the farewell is now up to 12.8 it looks like mm. after a 1.5 million dollar take I-, I was rooting f- for these movies pretty hard maybe we should have seen them another f- couple times a piece i don't know what we're I don't know what, how, what more could we have done i don't know how much more we could have seen once upon a time in hollywood that's true <laughs> although i do kind of want to see it again don't you absolutely i've considered every night just going down to the theater and just sitting doing, there just doing it <laughs> all right we'll move on to the news of the week News, 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 Another multimedia company has entered the fray. CBS and Viacom have recombined. Is this an after effect of Disney buying 20th Century Fox to better combat their power? Is this better to combat all of the power in the film industry because you have AT&T as the number one, Disney, Comcast, Netflix, then Sony, and then the newly formed CBS and Viacom. In a Hollywood Reporter article, you can see all the valuations of those movies, but it's like 247 all the way down to 31. CBS Viacom's evaluated at 31 billion now or something, Mike. Don't cry for me, Argentina. $31 billion valuation is not bad. It's sixth place. <laughs> so these companies, CBS and Viacom, were they were once under the same umbrella. Summer Redstone, who used to be the uh, CEO, split them into two separate companies 13 years ago, and now they're being put uh, back together again. So what this means for the consumer is that CBS, the network, the film studio, the sports, the news, mm-hmm. their properties like Showtime, they are now in the same company as Paramount Pictures, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, and can all all be funneled through CBS's already established streaming service, CBS All Access. So in the same way fans celebrated that the X-Men and MCU were now in the same corporation, we can also now celebrate that the Colbert Report Stephen Colbert and Late Show host Stephen Colbert are now in the same corporation as well. Interesting. So you also have Paramount reuniting with CBS, and this means something for Star Trek and Mission Impossible. Star Trek, Mike could get more crossovers because you had two companies sharing those rights now it's all back to one company so picard can somehow be with michelle yo yeah. i don't know if they're on the same timelines i'm not i'm not familiar but you can also time travel in star trek so yeah i mean that's the easiest comparison with saying it's a good thing the Fantastic Four and the X-Men are back in the MCU, so mm-hmm. you can use those. Yeah, there's plenty of Star Trek fans out there, and now all the famous Star Trek properties and IP is all housed under the same umbrella. That's a good thing. You're talking about fan service and talking about giving people what they want as far as the hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little... There's something more interesting going on behind the scenes here is that... So now CBS and Viacom are one company. Mm-hmm. Tarantino is contractually obligated to Sony after his big free agency deal he struck with them. Mm-hmm. I think you can kiss that Tarantino Star Trek movie goodbye. Is he obligated to them after this one movie? Was that just a one movie deal or was it more than that? It could not be a one movie. If it, why would you make a one movie deal that you can't get a dollar of profit off of unless the film does almost $400 million? 
which has never been done before. I would think it's a multi... If nothing else, they made a lot of concessions to be in business with Tarantino so in the future. How, well, that's fine, but how did he make this deal with the Star Trek property in, in the first place? Did he? he gave it with... Oh, did he just writing a, a screenplay? Yeah, but he gave it to J.J. Abrams, and they ran with it, and... That's ha- you don't just do that if you're contractually obligated to somebody else. Well, I'm sure you could write it just for fun, and he probably knows J.J. Abrams in a friendship or colloquial type way. They so. shut down, basically, Hollywood for him to film Once Upon a Time right. in Hollywood. I don't think they have exclusivity, Sony. I really I would doubt it. I don't know, man. I, I don't know either. I'd have to learn more about it and dive more deeper into it, I, which I haven't done yet. But I... I I can't see unless CBS and Paramount want to strike a deal with Sony, giving them a piece of the pie. Why would Sony be okay with letting with? I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, put they up a could big make fuss? a deal to share properties, right. you know, and and they can get some of the you know the take on that. So that could happen as well if he does have a more than one picture deal on this. Going to be interesting. Going to be interesting times we'll, ahead. We'll, we'll see we'll what happens there. Mission Impossible, though, there's some implications on that. They. Talked about all these major properties, Mike, as they want multi-platform stories for them all. So the big news here would be we're probably getting a Mission Impossible TV show again. Would you watch that? No. Because Tom Cruise wouldn't be in it, obviously. He's not going to do TV. Um, I I want Tom Cruise in my Mission Impossible properties, right? So. Isn't he like intertwined with that? Isn't that his brand now? I mean, I know it's not technically, but... He's the face of it, certainly. So what are they doing? They're going to put Ving Rhames in a, in a show with one of the spinoff characters? They've CBS has tried this before, adapting different properties. We just talked about how Bad Teacher became their uh, headline for them. They brought back MacGyver, which they, so they brought back old properties, and they're they are curating all these either older properties or cinematic properties and turning them into TV shows. I don't know that I'd be interested in a Mission Impossible unless they get some kind of big name to headline it. I don't know that I'd be interested in seeing a Mission Impossible TV series at this point. I'd rather just see another movie. Yeah, it's got to be a, a, one of the characters from one of the last few movies, I would say. Probably not Jeremy Renner. Rebecca Ferguson, maybe? Possibly Rebecca Ferguson. Possibly Paula Patton, I would say. Could see that. I, yeah, I just she don't... was awesome in that movie. Ghost Protocol, anyway. It's the same problem I have with any movie that's adapted into a TV series. Like, I've seen you put a lot of money into the budget and seen it on the big screen. Yeah. I want that. <laughs> I don't want a lesser screen. <laughs> I want, I'm even going to do it, do it in a movie. I don't know. That's how I feel about a person. I'm sure it has its fans. I'm sure people would go wild to see it, and it would probably do well as long as it falls into the good hands and a, a smart showrunner's hands. So interesting times ahead. Another another combatant entering the fold here and entering the streaming wars and entering the entertainment wars. Uh, let's move into trailer thoughts. Only one this week. Trailer thoughts. Last Christmas, featuring the music of George Michael. So is it her last Christmas? <laughs> well, the premise is you have who here? We have Cersei. That was her? No, this is... Uh, what? Who is this? This is Daenerys, Daenerys Targaryen. Daenerys Targaryen playing a drunk, down on her luck. Breaker of chains. Whatever. She's uh, she's unhappy now. She's got some physical issues. And she's working at a Christmas store that's open year-round. And she basically needs to be saved and shown that life has meaning by Henry Golding, right? I think she's like going to be a terminally ill cancer patient. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is going to be her literally last yeah. Christmas. And I think the George... I don't care. Because bottom line is I just want a climax <laughs> with the George Michael song, Last Christmas. Because it's my favorite Christmas song, and if you throw in a, a, a romance between Amelia Clark and Henry Golding, who doesn't want to see that, it's going to be good. That's your favorite Christmas song? I think so. Really? I think that's my favorite Christmas song. Interesting. 
Please play Never Gonna Dance Again along the way. <laughs> Just that sax part, yeah. Uh, also, Freedom 90, it's a banger. An absolute banger. I don't care what this movie is about. Groundhog or like a vasectomy. I just want to hear Freedom 90 in it forever, so I approve. So we want to see this movie for, like, one song each. I could go to this songs. movie wearing a blindfold and be happy. Yeah, could be. <laughs> it's Musical goods are becoming a major part of the cinematic experience these days. And the draw. Yeah, but do you wonder why, like, this movie is the George Michael music movie, featuring the music of George Michael. They make yeah. a big deal about it in the trailers. Why not just make a George Michael biopic? That would be fascinating. Lord knows he's yeah. been through enough trial and tribulations in his lifetime. True. Or he had. It's Do that. Don't do this. This seems fun, too. I know. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. We'll see. I'm like, I want original properties. Give me an original property. I don't want this. I want the George Michael non-original <laughs> property. Just let me run the movie industry, and we'll be fine. <laughs> we'll move on to some Do You Care. This is the Do You Care segment. This is where we take news stories of the week. We ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The way we start every Do You Care every week on MMOW is I ask Michael here if we care and why should we about the upcoming releases this week. Nationwide on the 21st, we have Ready or Not coming out. And the 23rd, a couple days later, we have Angel Has Fallen and Overcomer, as well as Going Limited. We have Britney Runs a Marathon and Fiddler, A Miracle of Miracles. What do we care about in those? Well, obviously Fiddler, A Miracle of Miracles. Naturally. I have no idea what that is. I didn't even research. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, we're going to review Ready or Not. We're going to do another movie event format episode for Excited that. For that. Maybe for Wednesday, we'll, we'll let you know. Uh, or uh, probably Thursday. We'll let you know. <laughs> I care about that. And I also care about Britney Runs a Marathon. I do too. Amazon Studios that got great reviews. I can't wait to get my hands on that movie. I love Jillian Bell. She's a hilarious comedian. Yeah, I hope that one makes money too. Mm. I, I would like to see something like that do well at the box office. I agree with you. I I, I, I I don't know what Overcomer is. I don't know either. It's <laughs> going look these things up, goddamn you. <laughs> I, I, I care what I care about this week, and that's it. <laughs> All right. Mike, The Troop is a new horror movie from James Wan. Mm -hmm. Do you care? You know, yeah, I like the premise. I think it's interesting. Based on a horror novel by Nick Cutter, uh, that's got to be a fake name. If you're writing horror novels, Nick Cutter's mm. just a great name to have, so good job there. A little bit misleading to call it a James Wan project. Atomic Monster is James Wan's production studio. That's mm -hmm. who's going to make this and create this movie. But E.L. Katz is going to be the director who's okay. done some horror work in the past. Nothing I'm familiar with. But the Slash Film article that we saw this story originate from, Chris Evangelista wrote it. He spoke glowingly about E.L. Katz's work on Channel Zero nice. and The Dream Door, which is a sci-fi, I guess, horror property. It's not something I knew about or was interested in, but the way Evangelista kind of... I think it was only a blurb, too. He was like, it was one of the best seasons ever, and then he moved on with the rest of the article, but that was enough for me. Uh, I respect Chris Evangelista's taste, so I want to seek that out now and see for myself and get familiar with E.L. Katz. As far as the troupe goes, yeah, I, I care about it. I care about unique horror and different horror movies and different premises, and this one's about, like, Boy Scouts, I they guess? They go camping, and then, quote, an unexpected intruder stumbles into their campsite. Apparently he has as some kind of bioengineered disease, Mike. That sounds freaky. Are we over-zombied? 
Oh, we had enough zombies. I don't know if it's a zombie, but it's a something. Yeah, but, that, but that's their way out. It's not a zombie. It's Look, a bioengineered disease. James Wan has done some great. He knows how to start franchises. Yes, some great producing of horror properties. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I, yeah, like I said, very interested to check out the uh, Channel Zero and check out Eel Katz's previous work. So yeah, I care. Michael, there's an Aladdin sequel in the works. Do we care about that? This is a no-brainer, and I also remember liking The Return of the Jabbar. Aladdin I... for Jafar needs glasses. <laughs> it's coming, Mike. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> look, I don't remember that animated sequel very much at all. I just remember liking it. I... So that sentence doesn't make sense, but I stand by it. <laughs> I in. remember that went straight to VHS, right? I'm pretty sure it did. I'm, I'm almost positive it did, not I'm like you. I remember thinking it wasn't as bad as it was going to be, but I cannot tell you a single thing about it. But the stakes are so damn high now, right? Well, not, not to get any spoilers, the stakes are high. That's a good romping ground for a sequel. So we're going to have a live-action sequel, you would think this suggests, right? Yeah, so it's going to be just like... live-action Aladdin sequel. This is interesting to me, because now if we can make sequels and prequels about all these properties once we've had our fill with the, the adapted live action versions i think there's some interest and intrigue that could be done there and i know you know i rail all the time about franchise pictures but they are at least different stories to tell they're not just adaptations or retreads of different properties so i'm interested to hear that to see those i mean so the next topic mike airy styles passed on the role in the live action remake of the little mermaid now I thought he was going to be too old because I thought Halle Berry <laughs> was only 15 and I know he's 25. And I was I was going to get all righteous and get angry about that because that would be fucked up. Yeah. That's not the case. It's Haley Bailey. It's mm. not Halle Berry. Mm -hmm. It's not Halle Berry's child. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different human being. Mm -hmm. Different family. Different mother. You're saying all these things to me. My mind was, you know, decided one way, and then it just, I don't know. Yeah, Haley Bailey is the Ariel for The Little Mermaid. Harry Styles is 25. Haley Bailey's 19. What about I thought right? I read somewhere that the Ariel was 15 that they cast. We reported that. Did we? Then we lied. Yeah, Haley Bailey or Holly Bailey. Very similar names, but she's 19. She, she is, uh, regardless. So Halle Berry's child... <laughs> Not just misinformation. <laughs> yes. Uh, what I found more intriguing about what this came from, this came from a Hollywood Reporter article, Jacob Tremblay is going to voice Flounder. Like that. Aquafina is going to voice Scuttle. Love that. That's really all there is to this story right now, though, is that Harry Styles turned it down. He was interested in it at one point, and they offered it to him, and he said no, but I, I don't care. Flounder and Scuttle. I forgot those characters yeah, ever man. existed. Yeah. Those are great characters. Absolutely. I'm very I, excited I, for that. I love The Little yeah. Mermaid. Mike, Searching 2, it's a film we reviewed last year, gave it an Oscar sprint profile treatment, and Searching 2 is now in the works. Do we care? I do care because I wanted more of these screen life genre films. This was something that looked like it, it could blow up and really work, and that was a, an excellent movie, and we get the you know principal crew back. We get Ohanian and Kasabian and Shiganti. They're back. And we, I don't know if we're going to get John Cho again, if that's it's going to be the same story. Or if God, can do you imagine that character going through more trauma? More trauma? No. Ugh. No more for John Cho. <laughs> but I'd be in. If yeah. you're gonna get, you're gonna put your heroes in jeopardy. I would be in, but I'm glad the band is back together. Yeah, same here. Can't wait to see that. Mike, the first poster for the Eternals from the MCU came out. What did you make of this? So this is 
an artist's rendition that was approved for a Comic-Con exclusive. Mm-hmm. And these posters... So this uh, is like the, concept art? I don't know. I guess. They, they, they were available. I don't know for sale or just for show at Comic-Con. But the idea is that there's these giant glowing beings that look like they're massive. I know next to nothing about the Eternals as it is. The only thing I really do know is that they're going to lay out basically how this version of Earth and the MCU came to be. Mm-hmm. So I guess I always imagined that there was going to be something gigantic in them anyway or it doing battle for them. Looked like Transformers or something. Or you have a different analogy. Yeah, I, if this is the closest we ever get to Power Rangers against Lord Zed out in space, I'm fine with it. If these are like the Zords and these are just the gigantic beings that connect to each other and they have this epic space battle and we're never going to get a decent Power Rangers movie. This is the closest thing we'll get with Kumail Nanjiani and Angelina Jolie in it. Sign me up. I'm in. Did that special brownie that you just ate kick in? (laughs) You don't want to see a Power Rangers in space movie? Power Rangers, Lord Zed, Zords, Flounder and Scuttle. All these things coming back to me flooding over. Those are two. I, I've forgotten and put these things out of my brain. Scuttle's got nothing to do with this story. I'm just saying all these little things from these other stories <laughs> right. that are coming back up now. Zords. They really called them Zords? I think so, right? Power Zords? Wasn't that the name of them? Oh, my goodness I have to ask gracious. my nephew. It looks like that, though. It, yeah, looks it, like it certainly does. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Let's see how it is. It's Marvel. They're going to be mm-hmm. fine. They're going to make a jillion dollars. And I'm going to cry. Ewan McGregor, Mike, is coming back to play Obi-Wan Kenobi on a Star Wars show for Disney+. Plus. I imagine you care. I care a little bit. Look, Disney, we're going to buy this. <laughs> we're going to do it. You don't have to keep announcing cool shit that we also want. But I, I kind of also want this because I did think Ewan McGregor did a nice job as a young Alec Guinness, a young Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequels. He was one of the you know bright spots. Yeah, I, I agree. I so, agree. And can we get also the, the Darth Maul origin story? Has that been done yet? Can we see that? We've gotten it, I think, in all the novels somewhere. I think okay. it's out there. All right. But we haven't gotten it on the screen yet. Mike, we've had a major auction for the next Olivia Wilde project. This is a Deadline article. I'd love to see this. Yeah, New Line ended up winning that she's going to give her services. to. It's going to be a New Line property. The article from Deadline said it's going to be this 1950s housewife whose reality begins to crack, revealing a disturbing truth underneath. Hmm. It's based off a script, I guess, by Shane and Carrie Van Dyke. This is all coming from Mike Fleming Jr.'s article for Deadline. He presumes New Line's going to give her about $20 million. But the bigger story is that despite Booksmart's shortcomings financially at the box office, it, it reinvigorates hope, at least, that quality is what matters in making a film because... This article said that a bunch of different studios were throwing bids. She had 18 different bids. I don't know if they came from 18 different studios, but 18 bids arrived at her doorstep for her talent to be given to this property and have them house and distribute for her. It's great news. It's refreshing. It's a female filmmaker. Uh, Basically, her services are are going to the highest bidder. Yeah, awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Great, great news. Really excited about that. Care very much about that and hope that keeps up because she seems like a star in the making behind the camera. (laughs) That was a fun bunch of tricks that she had with Booksmart. Absolutely. Co-sign. So let's see more of that, please. Give her a bigger budget more and more. George R.R. Martin. George to you, Mm -hmm. says the end of the show will not affect the books. A strange group of comments from George R. R. Martin here. On the one hand, he reaffirms the fact that basically the ending of the book is going to be the, the ending of the show where it's going to be similar. I know he said a bunch of cryptic things like some will be different, some will be the same, blah, blah. We knew that going in. Does anybody enjoy being famous more than George R.R. R. Martin? Yeah, but he also <laughs> said some things like he can't go to a bookstore anymore. He used to just go from stack to stack reading all day, every day. Now he day. goes from stack of stack to money. 
Now he goes from stack to stack of money, but he also goes to a bookstore now and then he's swarmed by a bunch of people, so he can't yeah, do anything. He can't right. do that anymore. Super famous. He did say that the show was supposed to help him speed up his writing process, right. and that backfired on him, so that was an interesting comment, hmm. and it actually slowed down his process for sure. What I'm taking away from this, Mike, is that all of my intel on George, it was supposed to be an announcement about The Winds of Winter, about the next book coming out th- around this time. And there was a big article, and I clicked on it, and I thought that The Winds of Winter was finally going to be announced, and I'm just so upset today that it's not a Winds of Winter announcement. If I was him, I would never release that book. <laughs> I would go to my grave promising that it's coming soon. Because <laughs> all it's going to do is upset people. Mike, he did five books about something eventually coming, and then if he doesn't deliver that something, what the hell just happened? Mike, I would have so much respect for him if that's the route he took, and he's just trolling his fans. It's the worst joke of all time. It's the worst. Final story, Mike. The John Wick 3 director... Chad Stahelski is overseeing all of the new Birds of Prey action scenes. Do you care? Yes. I have not gotten to John Wick 3 yet, or 2 for that matter. I've seen John Wick 1, but I imagine, based on the glowing things everyone says about 2 and 3, that the action scenes are just as good, if not better, than what we see in 1. So, of course, if you're going to have that guy that put those action scenes together and those fight scenes together, taking over the DC property, or at least overseeing that aspect of Birds of Prey, I don't Mm -hmm. see how it could be considered a bad thing. So how is he going to work in the bat? That's a big question. The bat is going to be a major, major prop. Well, that's that's the thing. We want this Birds of Prey to be awesome, right? We want mm. this to be the ass kicker that Suicide Squad should have been. Mm. So this is the next ensemble piece, the big getting all the, the bad girls together in the DCEU, teaming up and going to cause some mayhem. We need this, and DC mm. needs this to hit the money, right? Be on the mark. So I, I would get as much talent as you can behind the scenes to help out as much as you can. And make Margot Robbie into that much more of a star. And, yeah, it's Chad Stahelski, proven commodity yeah. in the action movie world, so I'm in for that as well. Yeah, so I, I care very deeply about that, and I want that to be a success, and I hope Birds of Prey... I'm a very complex person. I don't want franchise properties, and I don't want adapted properties, but if you're going to make them, make them fucking good. Yeah, I'm just... I think you, you know, argue yourself into corners. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Once in a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's accurate. But that's the end of MMO Weekly for this week. Uh, guys, like always, want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns about this and anything else we talk about in the MMO Empire. Uh, you can reach out to us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on the Twitter machine, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, which again, I forgot to remind you at the top of the episode to beg people, but we'll beg you now. Please. Uh, please go do give us a five-star review if you can take five seconds out of your day to do that we really really appreciate that if you want to go above and beyond and leave a nice comment uh we will read that out on there we truly appreciate each and every one of those that we get you can just go to your apple podcast your podcast app type in mike mike and oscar click on our cartoonish profile scroll down a couple times you'll see the ability there to leave us a five-star review we're trying to get uh, about 200 of those so we can put forth an application for something that's going to only help us and further our what we can do for you guys in the future uh but we do need to hit that number first to get there. So if you can take two seconds out of your day and do that, you'll be doing a good thing on a Monday to, to brighten your Monday and ours. We would really appreciate that. Yes, thank you. Uh, Michael, any words of wisdom? And then what are we doing next here on MMO? The words of wisdom is put the music of George Michael into a movie, and uh, we'll want to see it. Yeah. 
So that's that's wisdom. They should put Freedom 90 in a Birds of Prey beat em up montage. Sure. I would see that. Let's go. Yeah. What we're doing next, we are doing our Caesar Romero Joker episode. God help us. This is going to be <laughs> batshit, pun intended. Yeah. It's going to be wild, uh, based on the 1966 Adam West Batman the movie, and it's going to be fun because that's a crazy performance. Would you watch a, a Birds of Prey beat up scene to wake me up before you go? Go. Oh, yeah. yeah? That, done right now. I would want that. Bug. We should put that, should be the first video we do on our YouTube channel when we come up with a YouTube channel. You put a boom, boom into my heart. <laughs> with all the bat, pow, whap. <laughs> Flap is a sound effect. Yeah, I like that. Good Flap. job. Uh, guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. Enjoy your Mondays. Enjoy your work weeks. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. No? Without the stuffiness. Stuffiness. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, get ready to laugh. Joker series coming up. See ya.